0: Welcome to the Vichy Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia.
1: Feast of Saint Josephine Biquita.
2: Yes, happy feast day. She's
1: such a great saint.
2: She's awesome. No, I. I pre-
1: you need to move your mic. I do.
0: I didn't know we were <laughs> live. Are we live? Oh yeah. I do like Josephine Bikita. I saw her story on EWTN a long time ago, but um, I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, she's. Uh, that's who we named. Or daughter, after she's so good, very recently ordained, yeah, very very new saint
3: to the church.
2: Yeah, yeah. Do do we know when you said you said something? It's two thousand nine but... or two thousand ten. It was under Pope Benedict, and okay. it's in the Ordo. I can't remember um, because dates will not stick in my head. But I, what was amazing to me is that I mean, she was she was sold into slavery, right? And um, in in our country, in the United States. We, that automatically means it was before 1860 or 1863, mm. uh, during the civil war. Um, but she was, she was born, I believe in 18, what did I say? 1860 so like something. 18, 18 yeah. Was she, she was in her seventies. So it was like eight in her, in the late 1860s, like 1869. Um, and so this was international slavery. She was, is Sudanese from Sudan and, and was sold into slavery, um, And her whole story is just this amazing story of, that's what I was talking about in the homily this morning, this amazing story of reconciliation. She was born into slavery, uh, not born into, she was uh, kidnapped and made a slave for many years and treated with great cruelty uh, until she was actually purchased by an Italian family um, who started treating her with kindness. She was the the nurse for their, uh, or nanny for their children. And then she... I mean, she began to change, and and this family had an association with a, a convent outside of Venice where they lived, um, and she began to to find love and kindness in a way that she'd never experienced it before, um, and became a Christian and and entered the convent and and was there for fifty years, loved by everybody. And I just I was talking about this uh, in the homily that that in an age where where there's very little in our world, in our country, there's very little forgiveness for anything uh, to see St. Josephine go from the worst of all possible human conditions um, through the, the, the brokenness of human beings, nonetheless, to come into not only this beautiful relationship with Jesus and find her true freedom there. Uh, she was given her freedom for, from slavery, but she also found her deeper, truer freedom uh, spiritually. In Jesus Christ, and then served people as a loving Christian uh, for the rest of her life.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I find fascinating about um, uh, people's uh, people that, that suffer greatly um, seem to be drawn to Christ, mm-hmm. and in a very profound way. And uh, we seem to be living right now in a culture that's trying to do away with any sort of suffering whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But there is something very profound about um, about suffering and um, uh, and Christ. Uh, that relationship with Christ.
1: It, there's some one of the uh, the things that she was known to say. Um, people would say, "What are your, what are your, what do you think about your captors, the people who took you from your family?" And she would say, um, "I thank them. I'm so grateful for them because without them, I would not. I might not have ever found Jesus Christ." And that is yeah. just mind boggling. That you know that, like you said today, you know we try to get away from that. So that mm-hmm. thought that the people who ruined her life. You know, in one sense, are actually the people she's grateful for because they brought her to now eternal life.
2: Well, and that's what I mean. God's providence works that way. I, I'm, I'm struck all the time about how Jesus uses the brokenness of human beings. Uh, not that He wants us to be broken, not that He wants to the people to experience the suffering that sin brings, but He even uses that. I mean, we say this all the time that, that God is even a capable. Of using our own sins to bring us into a, a deeper relationship with Himself, but that's true on a really extraordinary level. So that's what you know what Saint Josephine is is suggesting, uh, saying is that that through the worst of human conduct and the worst of human uh, intentionalities, nonetheless God used that to bring her into mm. into a healing relationship. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I agree with what what Tina said um, that. That we're trying how did you say trying to get rid of suffering,
0: yeah, we seem to be in a world that's uh, that's trying to do away with it, mask it over or somehow um, or even view suffering as something that 's bad and something that's detrimental to mm-hmm. the soul, um, versus um, that there are aspects of suffering that actually um, uh, do help us. Uh, Find our uh, humanity and our trueness uh, uh, in relation to God.
2: Well, and the Gospel is very clear on that, right? That, that suffering is never meaningless when and as it Jesus uses it to bring us to Himself. I mean, Jesus suffered the ultimate struggle; that He it was the, the profound suffering on the cross for all of humanity um, that that um, that allows that makes our suffering meaningful. Right, so uh, th- there are two different kinds of suffering. There's hopeless suffering, but there's hopeful suffering, and the difference is, is sort of how open we are to God. I, i'm I'm struck, um, and this is still about Saint Josephine, but I'm struck, you know in, in the world that we live, what I was going to say was that Tina is right is that we want to, we sort of want to abolish any kind of suffering. Um, which Jesus does, right, but in the world, and that is Jesus wishes to abolish all suffering, but he does that by drawing us to himself through the cross, what the secular world tends to do, and i 'm struck by this, you know, especially events happening in Virginia, events happening in the nation, mm-hmm. I mean all of the things that our our pe- people are bringing up uh, instances of sexism, instances of racism, you know all of these different things, they are sin and they are evil. Um, but it seems to me that the secular world, the only way they know how to deal with these failures, these sins, is by destroying the person who commits them.
3: Mm.
2: And that, you know, that in turn that and that makes for this incredible at least psychological violence and, and perhaps even physical um violence. And and that's what that's what really struck me about St. Josephine is that that she Suffered horrifically from the great evil of racism, of, um, you know, because she was a Sudanese girl, she was seven when she was kidnapped, uh, who was considered property. Um, and then, I mean, and I don't, Austin, you may know more than I do, but the, the Italian family that bought her, I don't know if they were trying to buy her out of slavery particularly.
1: I don't think so, actually. Um, and before I continue talking, I'll just do some quick introductions. So yes, please. Here at the in the Vici Minum Studio, Father John David. You'll Hello. you probably pick that up. Uh, I'm Austin. We have Tina, and we have Heber Dunkel, and Tina and Heber are sharing a mic, so if there's a slight delay as they move mics back and forth, just... Before Warren. <laughs>
2: Thanks for having us, Austin. Yeah, that's great. Um, so um, – I she, was asking you about right. whether the family that that, per, that purchased her in slavery, were they intending
1: So to my free understanding her? is no, they were not intending to to free her. They, they bought her and she actually – they went on a trip and while she was on a trip, they left her with the sisters. Ah. Um, and so while she was there, uh, she got to know Jesus and she fell in love with the lifestyle. And the ruling was in Italy or Venice at that time, that if somebody wanted to be a religious, um, that the I guess the pope or the bishop could intervene and say, you know, uh, could could basically break the slavery and say, no, she's now with the church, mm-hmm. no longer a slave. So um, she expressed her desire to be a religious, and so the bishops basically granted her her freedom from this life of slavery to be religious. So that's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Absolutely incredible. Going back a minute ago to talking about suffering and and, and, how Christ has entered into uh, every aspect of human suffering through his own um, incarnation, through his own passion and and death. Um, I think sometimes, too, we forget that uh, Christ, even though he can't physically suffer anymore, he doesn't, but he, he still suffers in spirit with us through, because we're his mystical body as the church. So any, any bit of human suffering, uh, that, that we're feeling, he, he at least feels it and suffers with us in spirit. And, and it's just such a comforting, uh, thing to think about when we go through any, any trial that even though Christ is in heaven, fully glorified, you know, uh, can't, can't physically suffer anymore. He's, he, he profoundly knows what it's like, uh, in, in each one of us. Um, so I, I think that's, uh, I just wonder if that had something mm. to do with you know how she was able to uh you know overcome you know her trials in life you know when, if, she, if, if that if that really meant something to her you know
0: mm. yeah and and i I do recall and this is of course just a, a portrayal that I saw of her life, but I do recall her uh looking up at the cross and uh seeing jesus 's flesh uh Uh, destroyed in the same way that hers was uh, the marks from the, the lashes that his Mm. body took. And, and she felt a a great connection with that. This was a man who, who had the same marks on his body that she did. And, and I do think that that's, that's what drew her to him to to learn who he was and to uh, they sort of shared that same, that, that commonality of, of suffering and violence.
1: Yeah. And she actually uh, forgot her name um through the suffering so her her name was not Josephine it was something else but but through all the trials and the the trauma she forgot it um and uh the name Bakitov if, if memory serves me right is means fortunate one mm-hmm. so she took that on um uh when she became a sister and uh i mean gosh that just like the the paradigm shift in that you know i think it's very easy and and i have to check myself sometimes like um when when i feel wounded when somebody else has hurt me um, our Lord wants to heal it, mm-hmm. but then I'll find sometimes like I'll either the memory will come back or like something will happen where, uh, where I'm reminded of how, how I've been hurt by this person. And so then I, they, they won't do anything, but I'll reopen that wound, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and sit and um, and let it kind of fester and, and hurt more. But it's, it's a lot in my
2: head. Mm. No, it's true. And I, I I don't mean to correct you, but I, I just happened to be reading this this morning. The the, the Bakita was actually given to her by her enslavers.
1: Oh, that oh, right, okay.
2: So, okay. and it, it does mean lucky one, which I don't know why they thought she was lucky, um, but to be enslaved. But then, I mean, Josephine she took that on as her religious name, but kept Bakita. And I would be, perhaps, this is I, I just don't know. I don't know if any of you know, but whether. She kept the name because she. It, it, it turned out to be prophetic, mm. and and this is the thing. I mean, I, again, I, I and I will be very honest. I it was in preparing my homily this morning that I was really reading more about Saint Josephine, um, and um, I, she, like just in the last few hours since the seven a.m. mass when I preached, um, she's just sort of been growing in my head as as this beautiful example of how things can go so horribly, horribly wrong right so that when she was enslaved as a 7 year old and given the name lucky one or fortunate one that that must have seemed you know to somebody or to us at least it seems like the most ironic thing ever right and yet there was something prophetic mm-hmm. in that name given to her by people who didn't care about her at all and yet she was the lucky one the fortunate one mm-hmm. ultimately because the lord loved her and not and not just but he i mean he lifts her up by virtue of her sainthood, he lifts her up as this extraordinary example of healing on every level. I mean, she bore the stripes of Christ, right? The 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 fact that she was lashed as a slave. Again, none of this is good. Um, none of this is. I mean, it's terrible that she was enslaved. It was terrible that she was treated as she was. You know, it was it was terrible that an Italian family, Catholic family, bought her. And yet they did treat her with kindness, not an excuse for slavery. Mm-hmm. But, but there, there's something, I, I guess part of what, what strikes me about her story is it, is it reveals in a very concrete way some of the exceptional complexity um, of how Jesus draws people to himself and how he uses even the worst circumstances and the worst of people, her enslavers. Mm-hmm. right? Again, not that he intended that. But that's how the world works, and yet through the concrete realities of of the world that we've brought about by our misuse of free will, um, he was able to bring her into this beautiful freeing relationship. That was, and he did all that for her, mm-hmm. right? Not in order, so to speak, to make her a saint or an example, but he did that. But it was by virtue of her beautiful transformation in him, in Jesus, that she became a saint. That she became mm-hmm. somebody lifted up to show us the power Mm -hmm. of the transformation of Jesus. Yeah, it's
0: always such a beautiful thing to just contemplate the fact that um, uh, Christ really, Jesus could have done anything, but what he chose to do was enter into... uh, into the the violence of of the world that we live in the, the the suffering of the world that we live in and to uh communicate with us there to to be one with us there and to draw us from that uh, to something much greater uh than we can even see uh, when we're in the midst of great suffering
1: i think it's interesting just uh to reflect um on what her life must have been like to as as a child being enslaved i mean certainly um in those moments, I'm, I can only imagine that there is hopelessness, you know, in great despair and fear, and that I think that's something that that is uh, common for us to feel in the midst of great trial is a a sense of will this ever be over? Um, but the beauty of of looking back and the, the beauty of the saints when we can look at their life is we can see we can now see their life in the in its wholeness. So we can see um, look back and say there was tremendous suffering. Um, but then Jesus came in and there was this reconciliation, you know, and this beautiful growth from it. Um, and that, to me, is a great encouragement that as I go through suffering, that it can feel like that. But it's not the end of the story.
2: Um, no, and that's why I, when I'm counseling people who are going through genuinely difficult experiences, right, you know, the, the difficulties in a marriage or an illness or whatever it is, you know, and, and every one of us wants... To, to think ourselves out of it or to figure out the solution or to somehow find the switch that you throw to make it all stop. And and that's totally natural and completely understandable. But what I've realized, in, in a variety, for a variety of reasons, what I've realized is that, that the Lord calls us to endurance, to endure things without them obviously getting better you know, um, in an immediate sense. But, you know, I think probably each one of us in this room has had an experience of enduring something extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And and the Lord says, just take this one day at a time. Not that every day will obviously get better, but he just says, hang on, hang on with me, and then it, and it will resolve. And it, and it does. It becomes uh, holy, or the situation comes to a beautiful conclusion. Or... The conclusion pers- the uh, situation persists but you come to understand how to deal with it in great peace mm-hmm. but he, he, he just asks us to hang on and he's doing this beautiful work inside of us that may not be obvious in any way to us at the time but that it's very powerfully transforming us mm-hmm. you know, and
3: suffering and, and trials can be uh, it can throw so much chaos into one's life and um, and it's always just com- so comforting to know that uh, Jesus Christ is that constant through all of that you know he's not chaotic he he brings that peace and you know the you know Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today mm-hmm. and, and forever um and and just you know thinking about that um you know how he is that constant you know he, he, he's that rock on which we can just attach ourselves to um you know that firm foundation for our lives uh, especially in those times
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know i think i mean that's that's it and by being the firm foundation, I mean again, I, I've I've often found picking up on what Heber said and the last bit of what I was saying that that the, the peace that eventually comes in a difficult situation is not the resolution of the situation necessarily. So if if the situation that you're in is this is this deep recognition that that the world is a mess and that or you know I I I, I think about this all the time how our culture seems to be in America just becoming more and more violent. And I don't mean crime necessarily. I mean, just the way we interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know this, there's, there's nothing in our society right now that can pull every Jesus. But I mean, there's no over, there's no overarching cultural, um, transcendent reality for the secular culture that can keep us from, from being angry with each other all the time. This is the result of, of a lot of historical failures not worth getting into at the moment but the point is that that i i know that it's going to be like this for a while but but the lord has been very generous in allowing me to find peace in trusting him in a very concrete way that 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 allows it not to get to me i mean i still want to res- to help people i still want to bring the lord to people in these situations i still want to do whatever i can um to to help people find hope in this this messy world that we're living in, but I'm not expecting it to get better anytime soon. And yet, mm. I feel great peace about it.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key, um, though, that um, to bring hope into that situation. Right. You know, it's it's really um, not that you don't want to see it resolved, but to to allow um, hope to enter into somebody's situation is uh, there's something just very profound about that um to to be able to see something beyond uh, the suffering and to know that it will end in I think in that hope is where uh, one can turn uh, one's suffering into um, into a place of healing and mm-hmm. actual um, uh, finding one way one's way out.
2: Well, and that in turn has really helped me in in recent years to sort of come to a much more concrete and sort of personally, lively sense of what it means that this life is preparation for the life yet to come mm-hmm. sometimes people criticize christians in general and catholics in particular for saying oh you you don't care about this world because you you're, you have this hope uh in the perfection of heaven and that that's we do care very deeply about this world and all of its beauty and all of its its suffering i mean we we this life is a beautiful life meant to be lived well and yet i understand that that's that some of the situations that we live in the brokenness of the world as a whole that's not going to be resolved until by god's grace we're that new community with god in heaven and that that gives me hope right i mean it gives me you know you look at somebody who's suffering from a debilitating disease for many many years or somebody who's suffering from from deep um, uh, depression or deep uh, mental illness of one sort or another and that person is not going to get better in the sense of of becoming fully healthy in this life and yet i've seen people who suffer that way who are suffering that way mm-hmm. and who recognize the beauty that, that there will be a time when that's given freedom that that, that person's given freedom from that suffering the
1: image that keeps coming to my mind is uh, is Jesus embracing the cross. Right. That you know, it's it's it seems like absolute folly that this is this is something that's bad. You know, being crucified, uh, the, these diseases like they're not intrinsically good things. Um, but then uh, it's the cross, the crucifixion. Jesus is so radical that when it's placed in front of him, um, that he he leans into it and he grabs it and embraces it. You know and that's such a beautiful image that he's not he's not just picking it up and lugging it along like, okay, we'll, we'll make it to Calvary somehow um, but it's it's an embrace actually. They've,
2: I like the phrase leaning into it um, because I think you know I, I love the language too of, of that we are yoked with Jesus and I remember it was you know my yoke is easy, my burden is light and, and hearing that for oh 40 years um, before realizing that a yoke is for two. Hmm. Right, so when Jesus says, "My yoke is easy, and my burden is light, he's the other one in the yoke hmm. right and so and if you in my imagination, the yoke of of that we are bearing with cross is in the form sorry, the yoke of Jesus that we bear with him is the yoke of the cross um and i think so with with what that means then is that when we lean into the suffering or into The struggles of our life we are not leaning alone that jesus is bearing the cross that we take up as our yoke Mm -hmm. um to bring us um into the freedom and the wholeness but we have to face we have to face the struggle we have to lean into it you know all of you've heard me say at one time or another that when we ask jesus to to give us freedom from our sins or give us freedom from from something we 're struggling with that what we really mean is please wave your magic wand and make it go away um, <laughs> right. and, and and out of his love for us he doesn't do that because he walks with us he suffers with us and then brings us to a deeper humanity
3: yeah I think we sometimes forget that we you know when we were baptized you know we, we were baptized into everything that is Jesus right you know and that includes his suffering um you know and he gives us all the grace we need to, to deal with what he places in our lives. And, you know, he, doesn't he say, um, you know, the servant is not any greater than the master. So we're, uh, you know, the master as a servant has to be as well. I mean, I'm yes. butchering that. In, no, 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 America, that's right. Using it, but, um, you know, and, and that includes the suffering. And I actually wonder too, you know, you know with the, the life, you know, that she lived Saint if St. Josephine, if that really meant something to her, you know, as, as someone who has spent her whole life or a mm-hmm. good portion of her life, serving that she was also able to relate in in that way, in a very profound way uh, to to Christ.
1: Mm. Yeah. I think we talked about hope a little bit also. um, And uh, something that that keeps coming to mind is the importance of community in it. um, And that using St. Josephine as example, again, is that Mm -hmm. that when she entered into that religious community is when, uh, seems to be when that, when the turning point, you know, when the, when peace kind of flooded when hope came uh that there's something beautiful that there's healing and i think that that when we're suffering i always find um that there's this temptation to kind of hide away Mm -hmm. and and suffer alone Mm -hmm. and just be kind of bitter and angry but oftentimes when uh when it's brought to the light or when i discuss it with someone else um there's there's a community aspect that uh that just brings healing it's like this is we're not meant to carry these alone. You know, we have first and foremost we have Jesus. And a lot of times when you gather with somebody, um well, it even says it's in scriptures, but when you gather and talk about suffering and, and bring bring up Jesus, that he is there in in the midst. Yes. And so there's much so. there's a lot of healing.
0: Yeah, I think it's important too that the, the, the people you're communicating that to. You know, if they're if they're people of hope or if it's mm. if it's um yeah. uh uh people keeping you. Uh, sort of uh, 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 in that place of of suffering, do you know what i mean there's there's yeah. different uh, communities of people that you can speak to, those that are hopeful and are encouraging one out of uh, a, a place of suffering, and then those that sort of keep people in mm. a place of suffering so it's important who who you're sharing with also I think
1: and this kind of speaks to what you were talking about father with uh, with some of the bigger issues in our our time today that that they, there's a more of a, a global—I shouldn't say global, but at least in our country—a rapport and the community is such that it's like attack, attack, attack. You know, um, where it's it's so important for us to, as Catholics, to build that tighter community that's filled with hope through the suffering rather than antagonism. Um, well, and this
2: yeah. is the thing. I mean, this is what for Catholics. I mean, you know, the difference for us. Is is the Eucharist, and what makes and what the Eucharist makes possible. Mm. Um, And and what I mean by that is that. So I I you know as a pastor as a priest in this parish, you know I'm I'm aware probably more than in a given mass on a Sunday mass I'm aware I'm not thinking about this, but I could I, I could look around in the parish and know the difficulties and the struggles and the break, brokenness and the broken relationships and the relationships in the process of being healed. And all of us are bound together by the Eucharist, mm-hmm. right? We're fundamentally bound together, and that means that, that Jesus himself, through the Eucharist, is constantly not only giving us the opportunity for reconciliation, um, but, but making that reconciliation possible by the strength he gives us through his own body and blood and that, that mean, that's, that, that's where that hope comes from. It doesn't mean, therefore, that everybody in a given mass loves everybody else in an absolute sort of way. But the fundamental possibility is there in a way that gives a character and a shape to church life. That as messy as it is and as, and as, as broken as it can be, that's, that's a, the concrete. It's not this sort of hope as an abstraction. It's the actual hope that Jesus Christ is feeding us for unity.
3: Yeah, and in this day and age, too, um, you know, we're all about the victim, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Making ourselves victims when we're wrong is is just a very popular thing. I mean, it's how we deal with things, how we cope with things. Uh, But when you look at Christ as the victim, and that's, I mean, he he is the victim, and he's that's what we we call him as the Lamb of God. But his his victimhood wasn't so it wasn't self centered, right? His victimhood was a gift. For all of us um so if we if we take those moments when we're wrong and and instead of turning the, turning inward on ourselves being selfish we could make those an offering uh an imitation of him and um, those become moments of grace in our lives hmm. instead of moments of self-centeredness and anger and bitterness
2: of which saint yeah. josephine is, is an amazing i mean who wouldn't have a right to turn completely in on yourself mm-hmm. and hate people and hate god for being enslaved and and treated the way she was. And yet Jesus in her long before she was baptized, what in my Methodist days we call prevenient grace, that grace that comes, that draws a person, mm-hmm. you know, that, that he, he, it was her beautiful character that was, that, was, that couldn't be touched by the whips, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Her beautiful soul that Jesus brought to himself um, by not allowing her, to, to identify herself simply as a victim. Mm-hmm. It was a victimhood that, that she could, whether whether she would say this or not, I, I mean, I don't know, but it was a victimhood that allowed her to identify with the great victim, Jesus Christ, who by his victimhood gives us freedom and healing. Mm-hmm. So you, the, the point is, is what you're saying, Hebrew, The point is not to remain a victim, mm-hmm. but to, to recognize that whatever has been done to us or whatever we have done to others and victimized them, can be healed through the ultimate victim who overcomes the victimhood to be uh, the Savior through his resurrection. Hmm. There's great power to that. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. Well, we're, we're about 30 minutes. Um, so is there any, any final comments on this? Anybody? No, I think that was that was beautiful. And i, I got to tell our audience, our listeners, um, first of all, today's February 8th. This podcast is not coming out February 8th. That's uh, St. Josephine's Feast Day. Also, this was not at all our planned topic, <laughs> uh, which I think shows the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, St. Josephine, I think, is, is jumping into our midst uh, and carrying us along today. But uh, we had a different topic, and we just started talking, and this was beautiful.
2: It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like, always chalk all these things up to the Holy Spirit, because I, I suddenly, I realized within about... Fifteen seconds of the start of this <laughs> recording that we were never going to get to our actual topic. I thought there, I thought
0: there was no segue either. Yeah, so so
2: so hopefully hopefully the Holy Spirit has inspired our listeners to understand um, that that we just do what Jesus tells us.
1: That's so, right. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray,
2: pray for, for us.
1: Thanks again for tuning in. We would love for you to join the conversation that we started by sending us an email at vichimundum 1633 at gmail.com or by connecting with us on Facebook and or Instagram. And while we love doing these podcasts, we really love hearing from and starting relationships with you even more. I also want to extend an invitation to you that if you like these shows and would like to see more produced by our parish, please feel free to support what we're doing. You can go to Our Lady of Mount Carmel's website and give online by designating your donation to Vichimundum. Monthly gifts are especially helpful. Finally, as a reminder, the views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the presenters alone, and they do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. God bless you,
2: and we look forward to talking with you soon. That was good. That was bizarre. (laughs) I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, Jesus doesn't want us to talk about the Bible today.